Hello everyone and welcome to Flawless, a music podcast. My name is Liam and I'm here with my co-host George. Hello! Each episode of Flawless, a host or a guest nominates an album that they think is flawless and we discuss how they discovered it, what they love about it and what makes it flawless for them. We have a Facebook group, it's called Flawless Friends and Family and it's where we discuss all things music that we love and that you love and we post in there about upcoming episodes and what albums are nominated, except not this time, I forgot. I tweeted it. You tweeted it this morning, yeah. yeah, so... Uh, sorry to the group for that. Uh, you can find the link in our show notes. And of course, being a podcast, we have a Patreon. You can back us from as little as $1 a month and you get early access to our episodes, access to our bonus episodes, and that warm, fuzzy feeling inside that you've helped us spread the flawless love. So fuzzy. So fuzzy. So fuzzy that I Patreoned ourselves. Yeah, it's it's important in winter. Absolutely. Fuzzy love is more important than ever. Absolutely. You can find us at patreon.com slash flawlessamp. So, even though I have introduced the episode, I am not nominating an album today. You're not? I'm not, as you would know from the title. Nobody's great surprise. We have a guest. Hooray! Nice. We love our guests. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi. My name is Branko Kosick. Uh, you might hear me on the radio every Wednesday morning at the moment on 4 Z. I host a show called Unnecessary Knowledge. Woo! Uh, 4 Z, Brisbane's finest. Yes. No formal connection between us, but uh, definitely big fans here of 4 Z. Yeah, and I used to work there. So that's and you awesome. used to work there, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so what's, hap- what's your show, Unnecessary Knowledge? What's, hap- what's that all about? Well, it's a show that I've been doing now for, well, I started it in 2011. Uh, a friend of mine who was my original co-host, Rachel, she had uh, just started a show and it, I was, uh, I've been playing in a band called Tape Off. Um, and she had come to our early shows and was around. And when I found out she was at four triple Z, I was, I guess, one of those band slutty kind of guys going, Hey, could you play our stuff on four triple Z, please, please, please. And, uh, yeah, she started playing it and then invited us to the station. I went, wow, I finally got invited to the Mecca. Mm -hmm. That is the best prison radio station and had, uh, got bitten by the bug there and just sort of kept hanging about because she kept uh, – she the show that she was doing at the time for Triple Z was like a graveyard shift show. At the time, I was doing uh, a lot of night shifts and when I would finish work, it would be about the same time she was going to start her show. So she was like, do you want to come and, and you know, just hang out? during the show so she felt a bit safer because obviously it's in the middle of the valley and it yeah. <laughs> doesn't feel like the safest place in the world at that yeah. time of night so um sat out with that and then um she had that graveyard show for like six months and then uh got offered a daytime show and she asked if uh i'd like to be a co-host i went sure absolutely um and that's how i got my foot in the door with it and i've been there ever since it's been and you awesome. literally have unnecessary knowledge throughout peppered throughout the episode. Oh, it was her idea to call it unnecessary knowledge, seeing I'd signed up on board because she thought I knew just stupid amounts about music that no one else should harbour. <laughs> that amount. So yeah, she named it. Uh, I guess in my honour, uh, and uh, that's how it's been. I, I think at first we talked about you know, how fast do snails actually crawl or, or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That was the unnecessary knowledge. But uh, as time sort of evolved, it really became more about educating the listeners about the kind of music that was getting played. Obviously being uh, a figurehead in the local music scene as well, talking about a lot of the local acts that were bubbling up and recordings that were doing and, and being that source of local knowledge so yeah yeah it yeah. all checks out awesome <laughs> cool so when's that on again wednesday mornings wednesday mornings 6 a.m to 9 a.m on 4 triple z you can check it out on the internet at 4zzz.org.au awesome would you like to let us know what album you are nominating today today i am nominating betty by helmet No. <gasps> oh, 
dirty, sweaty, dirty, sweaty dudes in the pit. Yeah, you did. Gross it up. You nice. just dropped that one. Didn't yeah. You? For such yeah. a sweet guy, you're yeah. like, I was like thinking, oh, maybe he'll put Simon and Garfunkel yeah. in the chat. But no. I was thinking about Michael Bolton, but not for this chat. Yeah, no. No, cool. fair enough. So right. Helmet Better, you. It's, it's an album that, that looks very pretty. If you've never listened to a note of it and you look at the record cover, it's a very pretty looking record. Baroness do that too. Yes, which I love. I yeah. love that <laughs> the ultimate like super high contrast mm-hmm. that you get when you experience when you first put it on. And yeah, when you put it on, there's not. It's not a pretty sounding record. It's not. A, it's not an ugly sounding no, record. No, it's not really dirty. It's yeah, yeah. kind of it's got that sheen to it. Yeah. So it's the third studio album by alternative metal band Helmet, released in 1994 on Interscope Records, and it's the Helmet's highest charting album ever in the US. And Interscope, uh, which I always do a little research, you do. Um, uh, some uh, dichotomies are Lady Gaga, MIA, Dashboard Confessional, if you remember that oh, guy. Oh, yeah, wow. Um, and then Bush and Counting Crows, love it. The Antwood. Um, have also been on Instagram and then Guns N' Roses. But what I really enjoyed was Tupac and Eminem. Mm-hmm. Like, and on. Dr. Dre as well. Dre. Nice. There you go. So, um, just... like, it's uh, it's a broad... Don't worry about genre. Just, no. just sign artists that you just... think can make you money and you, know, that you make... want to help promote, go for it. Yeah, will it make money? Yes. Yeah, that's what they care about. Mm. So they're not a DIY punk or metal kind of label. No, they no, they're are definitely much... pretty big. Yeah. Cool. So that's cool. How did you encounter Helmet for the first time? Was this your first album? How did you encounter this album? Like, tell us about your Helmet background. So a friend of mine that I had in high school had a tape um, that had Helmet on it. It had two Helmet records on it. Neither one of them was Betty, actually. So I had seen the name. I probably saw a Helmet sticker somewhere in my childhood. Um, So I was semi-aware of them by then, had not heard a note of it. Uh, and so what this is about 97, 98, when this magical cassette had, um, been in my presence that on one side it had Helmet's second album, which was Meantime, which mm-hmm. some would argue is their breakthrough album. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause it had a few singles like In the Meantime and Unsung, which were like MTV staples, you know, in the States at the time. They also had an Australian guitarist at the time called Peter Mingetti. Uh, who lives in Australia again these days is on the Brisbane South side. And I've, nice. I've had um, interactions with him. He's a great guy. He's, he's lent me books and I've had yeah. great old chats. And um, yeah, he had been let go or kicked out. I don't, I don't know the full story of, of his split with Helmet after Meantime, but um, it's what happened. I do actually have a Rolling Stone article from... 94 when Betty did come out and they uh I think did have it was like a three-page article on them and there was a part where they asked Peter like what had happened and he said he rocked up to a rehearsal studio one day for band practice and all of his he was locked out keys changed like kind of stuff so it was quite ugly I Mm. guess the split so um yeah he wasn't around for by the time that Betty came out um but anyway, the other side, the B side of this cassette was Helmet's fourth album, which is called Aftertaste. And it would be their last album of that, uh, you know, sort of original lineup of John Stania, um, Henry Bogdan and um, Paige Hamilton as well. Mm-hmm. The three core members that were left there. Uh, they've now reunited again and have, they reunited again in 2004. It was about a five or six year gap and uh, started releasing records again and touring and all that kind of stuff. And I've seen them about four times now. And mm-hmm. I believe one of the shows that I did go to um, in 2011, there was a burying of the hatchet. They played in Brisbane okay. nice. and Peter Mangetti did come out and they played unsung and it was Aww. amazing. Awesome. Yeah. So that, there is a happy ending to that. Yeah. Um, so I heard this tape, thought it was amazing. In the months just after that, there was... I was living in the south side of Brisbane, down in Callum Vale. That's where I grew up. And we would go to the um, flea markets down at Woodridge quite a bit. It was kind mm-hmm. of the closest ones to us. And it'd be like in a massive car park, rows and rows and rows of stuff. I would hate being at those flea markets. I thought they were boring as shit. Yeah. 
but you know, sometimes I would have people that had a stash of CDs and I'd always go through there religiously because mum and dad would be like rows and rows ahead looking at other crap that I couldn't be interested or care less about. So, Which I would be at, by the way. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'd be like, oh my gosh, crockery. <laughs> at this age, I think I understand now, but you know, when I was uh, you know, 15 or whatever, yeah, couldn't care. So uh, I'm looking through absolutely every CD, you know, trying to see how much, whatever pocket money I had, what I could spend it on. And I saw this album cover. And it said helmet and it said Betty and it's got this girl that you would kind of imagine maybe like I'm imagining 50s. It's a little bit sepia toned. Totally like a 1950s housewife. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Holding a flower. And I was like, but wait, I thought this helmet band were like like this alternative metal band, like, you know, pummeling drums and loud guitars. This album cover just does not suit that. And then... um, you turn it over, you look in the back cover, it's just a photo of a house, sepia toned. I was like, wow, okay, weird. I didn't buy it that day, but that stuck with me. Um, maybe within the next year, I finally had enough pocket money, or whatever. And I think it was at the local Kmart down at Sunnybank Hills, and they had it there, and I had the money to buy it. I took it home and listened to it. I was like, okay, so this is the same yeah. band, yeah. <laughs> but. Just the album cover is just Free messing you. with me. So uh, that was the first time I heard it and I just thought it was amazing. And I guess it's kind of interesting that it was probably their most experimental mm-hmm. record as well. And That's how it's like lauded, like yeah. it's an experimental one, as we will get to. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And um, I don't know. I just fell in love with it. And, and I am a drummer as well. Mm-hmm. So the sound of the drums totally spoke to me. Mm. So it was just all ticks. And I couldn't tell you the amount of times I've listened to that record over since, you know, I bought it, but I'm never sick of it. Yeah. Cool. Nice. Cool. George. Hello. Uh, would you like to tell us, had you heard of Helmet and or Betty before the name got dropped in the chat? So I had heard Helmet. So if we roll back to like probably episode one. Oh. This is, was would have been the first time that I announced that I used to go clubbing under age. Yeah. <laughs> so um, when I was 13, I started working in nightclubs um, as the vibe girl and used to try and get people onto the dance floor, which meant I had to know the songs. And Unsung was played a lot in the clubs from meantime so i was like who's this helmet i was just like okay helmet. and then i would go up to people and be like they're playing helmet next you should totally get to the dance floor um to like the beardiest people in the room and like get them ready and do that kind of thing so i totally knew of helmet but i would never actually consciously listened to an album mm-hmm. um because they were just outside of my scape of music that I would spend money on at the time. So it was probably on in the background at house parties and all sorts of stuff, like, um, because they felt extremely familiar Mm -hmm. to listen to. Um, But nothing stood out as a, oh, I totally remember that track. But I put it on and I was just like, oh, yeah, it's Helmet. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I don't don't know how you could actually invite anybody to go to a dance floor for the song unsung because you stand there <laughs> and you look a bit weird and just miserable holding a beer so unsung and you'll have to hear the middle part of it has a very odd count and you have to count 13 times or something like that to get to the next repetition Right. It's it's Can dumb I music just like, like draw draw a little line here? <laughs> yes. Have you seen other people dancing at clubs in general to music that's four four? Because yeah, it true. doesn't matter what time signature it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> people are gonna move in their own fashion way and yeah. um yeah, so um they'll dance to unsung. <laughs> so enjoy. So yeah. but Liam Hello Helmet. Yes. Is, was that in your wheelhouse when you were getting into music? It was not in my wheelhouse. I knew of Helmet and I've always known of them, but I couldn't name a song or an album. Um, my only contact with Helmet was way back in two thousand and I think two or three. I was living with a friend, just like two of us living in share house, share unit, share half a house, whatever. 
And one day he came home and a friend of his had played him a helmet thing. And he's like, I think I've decided I'm going to become an underground metal fan. <laughs> and I'm like, helmet aren't underground. I've heard of them. They can't be that underground. And we went back and forth for it a little bit until I realized what he was actually saying was that he was going to be underground and he just wasn't going to tell anyone he was a metal fan. <laughs> and he was like, no, no, metal fan who's like undercover. I was like, oh, okay. So you're just not going to tell anyone that you're into, <laughs> you're so that, into that, metal. Like, that's, like it's a disease. Yeah. So that's literally the only exposure I had with Helmet was like I'd heard of them, which meant they couldn't be that far underground if I if I knew of them with my limited experience. But yeah, hadn't heard an album or or even name a song like you guys are talking about unsung. I don't know how that song goes. I can't. I don't remember hearing that song. So completely new for me, which was cool. Yeah. It was roughly charted in the 40s. In um, the US, UK, Australia, 23. Mm-hmm. But in Sweden, it went to number 13. I can wow. see that. The Swedes love their metal. Swedes Euro- do Euro- love their metal. Europe love metal. And they like metal experimental Swedes. stuff. And they like anything mm-hmm. with classical in it. So, yeah. 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 So, um, uh, should we name the well, band? You've gone through that. You've given us three of the members of the, of the band already. Do you want to tick off that fourth person for this particular album? Well, on this record, I don't know if he... <sighs> Actually played on it. His name is in the credits of the album, but I believe he was a touring uh, member. His name was Rob Echeverria. Mm-hmm. He, yeah, yeah. He and was... He left to join Biohazard. Biohazard. Yes. Okay. Yes, yeah. So I can't remember what he did before Helmet, but uh, I think he might have been a like a bit of a smoky anyway. He was just a guy that came out of nowhere yeah. and, and mm-hmm. jumped on the on the guitar. But yeah, like I said, the uh, about Peter Mangetti, yeah. You know, I think a lot of people thought that was the core lineup. They did two albums together, two brilliant albums with Strap It On and, and Meantime. And I guess anybody else that filled that position was going to seem inferior, but not mm. really. Pa- I think Paige Hamilton at the time was a bit of a control freak. Right. You know, um, and it happens, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Not the first it control freak in music. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm, I'm one myself. So, uh, it, yeah, it happens and, and that they had a fallout. But mm-hmm. yeah, Henry Bogdan and, and John Stania, that were the, the rhythm section. They yeah. stuck through it cool. and um, mm-hmm. yeah, kept on making an incredible album. So mm-hmm. you named, you said the first two were incredible and you said, mentioned the fourth one. What made you pick this album when we said, hey, nominate a flawless album for us? What, what stands I, out on this one? There's been times where I've tried to, you know, figure out what are like my top Five albums. I, I've had questions in the past, and, and I love this question that people would say, you know, what? Well, you know, there's always the one. What's your favorite artist? Now that one is just like, uh, that's such a loaded question. Don't okay. don't ask that. But what's your favorite albums? I'm like, cool. I could probably put it as this. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, Helmets Betty slots in there. I think just the amount of times that I listen to it, um, that I don't tire of it. It's got to be up there yeah. so okay. i think uh it's, it's just now where I, I never reach for the skip button mm-hmm. play it all the way through it's mm-hmm. always a good definition of flawless no skippable tracks yeah, skippable, yep. yeah definitely yeah so you mentioned before seeing them live so i'm going to go normally we say have you but i think you definitely have so how many times have you seen them play live so i, I didn't see them until i think the first time i saw it was 2000 and uh, i want to say 2006 2007 mm-hmm. um I think maybe because there was a bit of animosity between um, Peter and Paige, uh, there was a sound wave that they came to Australia for. Yep. Early, early days of sound wave. Mm-hmm. And they skipped Brisbane, um, oh. which I thought maybe oh. it was political or whatnot. Yeah. Um, but the second time around, they came again, but they played Byron. Okay. Still skipped Brisbane. Yeah. So <laughs> I went to see him at Byron at the Great Northern. Great Northern. And awesome. it was Great huge. Like yep. big sweaty mess of, of people yeah. everywhere. It was myself <laughs> and my cousin and a bunch of friends. We stayed in a backpackers overnight and, and yep. saw that show. And it was Did a you have a beard? I sure I I'm sure I would have had a beard. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, good. It's been a while since I've seen my chin. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> beard would have been there. Uh, that was that time I, they, I think they, maybe it was the second time when I said where they buried, buried the hatchet. That might've been the second time I saw mm-hmm. them. Um, that was a great, that was at the hi-fi. I saw them at the hi-fi again, two years later when they 
played with the Melvins, nice. which was huge. And they did a, a split seven inch, oh, nice. um, which was special for that tour only. And that seven inch was like 40 bucks, which yeah. wasn't yeah. cheap. And I was <laughs> like, wow. do I really want a seven inch? Nah, look, you know, I'll buy it. So yeah. I bought it. Nice. Uh, it was, it's a great seven inch. Uh, I'm just thinking the other times I've seen them. Them, oh, I saw them actually. So uh, in 2017, they did come to Australia and they played Betty in full. Yes. Ah. Yes. I've got their thing. So they started that tour in 2015. They announced that they were doing a Betty tour in full. And I assume when did it in patches around the world. Yes. So they finally got to us in 2017. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So it was a bit of a 20th anniversary of that tour. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, at that time, I was looking after a show on 4ZZZ called Live Delay, which we would... I hosted the show, but I also was very active in recording the content for that show. Yeah. And um, as much as I would spotlight a lot of local stuff, I would try to spotlight national and international if I could as well. See mm-hmm. what I could get away with. Push the yeah. envelope. Yeah. And I remember Helmet announcing that tour. And I thought, man, if I could record that show, that would be amazing. I somehow managed to get an interview with Paige Hamilton on that tour and he was in an airport somewhere getting ready to depart. And I think they were coming that weekend and I just kind of got him on the spot and said, Hey, by the way, like, you know, I look after live delay, blah, blah, blah. We record live sets. Could I come down to the show and record it? Could you let me know who I should talk to to get an approval for that? And he's like, look, I'm fine with it. As long as I've got, you know, a final say on what goes there. And I was like, yeah, yeah absolutely. Nothing yeah. goes there without <laughs> approval and all that jazz. Mm. Uh, he's like, yeah, I'm cool. Then I'll send you my manager's details and we'll get it all sorted. So anyway, went, uh, recorded it. I actually had my other band, um, t- tape off. We had a gig that night with scream feeder nice. um, oh. at the zoo or a, another band that I absolutely love as well. Um, I can't remember if we were opening, I think, I said, hey, look, if we get an opening slot, I'm not too sad about that because Helmet are literally playing down the bright side that night. And if mm-hmm. I could play my set, quickly run down, hit record on the laptop, that would be amazing. Actually, I went there early in the day anyway to set up the laptop and yeah. talk to um, a mate, Tim Roberts. I think it was Tim. He was doing sound in the night there at mm-hmm. Brightside. I said, can you just hit record for me just in, time, in case I don't get back? And he right. said, yep, no worries. Get there and watching um, Betty in full was amazing. Nice. And nice. I, I saw them in, in 2023, um, just recently at the Tivoli. And I should have worn earplugs, but I did not. Right. <laughs> I still have a ring in my ear, but yeah. that's life. The bright side's a small venue for them. I wouldn't have expected them to play down that. Yeah, that would have been a hard ticket to get, I expect. It was a criminally small yeah. venue for them to be playing at, oh. especially mm. with Betty. So yeah. I, I don't know why they chose that venue. Maybe it was just all that was available and mm-hmm. that was it. But I'm thankful they played there because it was a, a really small and internet, yeah. in, intimate space. Yeah, and nice. Yeah, loved every second of it. Cool. Cool. Jordan, I'm going to assume you haven't seen them live. I haven't seen them live. We already did our intros where we like, we don't know this band, so. Well, I get youth of songs. I've been to festivals, so if they've played a festival, I probably went to see them, have. but I can't remember. Yeah, cool. They, they, play, like, they played count. at Livid in 1994 in nice. Australia. I think that was the first time they came to Australia. I okay. could be wrong. And a lot of people, I do know people that were at Livid that year. Uh, it was the same year like Beastie Boys were out here. I think Ween and stuff like that. And they mm-hmm. said it was absolutely incredible. Nice. Cool. Fantastic. So the album. The album opens with. So it's very short. Nice short album. This is how many songs did we end up doing? 41. It's 14. Even at 14 songs. It's just the nice short sharp songs. Get in. Do the thing. Get out. No mucking around. It's always a good sign. (laughs) So it starts with fuzzy guitar slow riff. To Mm. open the album. Before the whole band just drops. Yeah. Yeah. Windless Rainbow is like the longest song on the album to open with and still only less than four minutes. So it's just like, no, nah, keeps it short. Just that bass line just like I was going to say like, Yeah, love yeah, it. Yeah, I love the heavy bass on that one. Um, and then there bring, brings in the nice melody at the chorus though. So mm-hmm. it's not just like, hey, we're making noise. No. It's like, hey, we can also play some notes. Mm. So that's always nice. From a metal band, yeah, so I think it, yeah, I think the whole album is quite melodic. Like it's never that thing where it's like we're just gonna thrash and we're maybe losing a bit of that control. It's always sort of like this is a style we love, but we're also just gonna write, I guess, songs that are just in that space, which is really cool. Mm. And it, it, it's it, a background thing of Paige Hamilton. He's actually a bit of a jazz uh, virtuoso guitarist. Mm, nice. So 
Because um, th- that's another thing. I don't really consider a metal record. It's totally a metal record, but I don't hear it as a metal record. And I guess maybe it sounded metal for 90s, 90s metal. I don't, it definitely wouldn't sound like, like metal in 2020s. No, you know yeah. I mean? like, yeah. yeah, it's almost down. Like if you think of that scope, like it's almost down into this heavy rock rather than metal like it's yeah that full mm, metal so there's a lot of minor chords and stuff yeah, like that yeah. that make that melodic and i think that's mm. why i gravitate to it so much mm-hmm. yes that's fair so it's a good opener like the far songs go and it's got that big outro mm-hmm. as well like to, to lead you into i know with the drums as the intro so you must love that franco drums. you're yeah. very right yeah. <laughs> the intro to i know mm-hmm. is sex yeah <laughs> total <Nice. laughs> is it better than sex or equal to sex or just is sex depending on the day yeah <laughs> <laughs> fair enough and yeah, it's got it's... slow dirty guitars as mm-hmm. well which is really nice and then sometimes they cut out altogether, so there's just drums under the lyrics which is really cool not something not a lot of bands do so as that drummer you'd love that it's like it's just no, we can carry this with just the drum and, you know, fill that space. And with two guitars, they kind of duel against each other mm, as well. Yeah, so. yeah. It really reminded me a lot of, like, some darker, like, Oz rock bands. So Mark of Cain, that sort of stuff. Like, I was getting real... I was like, I'm pretty sure they probably... And Mark of Cain were probably around the same time, that mid-90s. So they probably grew up on the same heavy bands and sort of came through in that same space, which was really cool. An unnecessary knowledge moment right here. John Stania, the drummer in Helmet, did go on to become the drummer in The Mark of Cain. Oh, okay, cool. Yes. Nice. Oh, there you go. John Stania okay. is like my Elvis. Right. He, he is a bit of a hero drummer nice. um, for me. So I, I take some leaves out of his book and yeah. That's awesome. So was that, so he, so obviously Mark, like Mark of Cain had already started and then he joined if they needed a drummer? Yeah, or, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and a lot of people had... You know, earmarked Mark of Cain as a helmet ripoff. That's not quite right because Hel- Hel- Mark of Cain were around before Helmet. Mm-hmm. Um, it just happened to be that they had very similar styles in the yeah. music um, from just different continents. Yeah, and, like it's yeah. yeah. And when Mark of Cain did go through a few drummers over their years, um, when they were looking for a drummer in late nineties or around two thousand, uh, I think somebody must have egged them on to just get John Stania, mm-hmm. and he was available because he wasn't a helmet anymore. And they just yeah. called him up and he said, "Yeah, would love to do it." Nice. That's nice. It's also got lyrics in there, and I can't remember the context of the song, but <laughs> it, uh, it, um, he shouts, sings. It's okay. do not make sense yeah, yeah. It's like the whole album is like it's like we've talked before about songs like you sit down and if the band explains in a song what the song's about that's so helpful but this yeah. stuff like a lot of the art songs I'm like I don't know what this song's about lyrically like just having a good time thrashing some stuff out like you just see the live song the virgin in the pit and that's I think it's just about providing that energy for it so, yeah. yeah the the album if you're the kind of person that listens to an album for lyrics this isn't the album yeah. for you yeah. because the lyrics literally look like they were written on scrap pieces of paper yeah. there, there is a lyric book in the album cover okay, and nice. I read through them and still don't make any heads yeah. and tails yeah. on them nice Fair. Well, well, there's a guitar solo, but I can say that in probably most of the songs, so yeah. there's a guitar solo. Yeah, there was lots of those sort of through it. Did you want to tell us some of your favourite songs off the album? Um, I know definitely uh, is is up there. Uh, Street Crab is also a banger. So chunky. Yeah. Like, mm, mm. Right um, into your soul, those huge yeah. riffs. There's and- a thing called Motor Hands that you used to do back in the UK mm-hmm. where you put your hands up in front of you as if you're revving a motorbike. Okay, yeah. And so Jordan to a song like right that, now. we're doing it right now. Um, <laughs> so you would put your hands up and you would like rev the motorbike. And so to that song, that song you would kind of like rev the motorbike. Yes. Um, and that was the dance move that everyone could do. Right. <laughs> so yes. you just no, had to fair. stand there and motor hands. So um, layered guitars. Um, even spoken spoken layered vocals 
rolling bass, which I really enjoy. So I like it when the bass comes through and shouting outro. So mm-hmm. I give it a little heart. I love the shouting yeah. outro. So that's cool. But in um, Clean, there, um, so that's Dirty Guitar again. Spoken chorus vocals with some singing and repeated melodies. But there are lyrics. That's yeah. open for interpretation. L- lyric buddies. Yeah. Like, I'll fake, yeah, I'll fake what I need to. Um, yeah, like, I'll fake really what cool. I need. I was like, yeah, I can relate to that. Yeah, yeah. Like, I do it every day in a yeah. environment. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, I had a great weekend. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. I, th- I think there's a lyric in Street Crab where he says, uh, Ice the beer. It's easy to feel good. Cool. I think that's the lyrics. Yeah, yeah. Um, Alcoholism. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's like ice the beer. Is like, am I at some like buddies like barbecue cookout or something? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. They're weird. Well, we can probably touch on a few of the songs towards the end where they actually because I think because I read I was sort of did a read up before I actually started listening and they were like, oh, this is their you know controversial album or it's the you know it's the one where they tried experimenting in jazz and all sorts of stuff. And I'm listening to like the first six or seven songs and I was like. This is really straightforward. This is exactly what I expected Helmut to be. I wonder when this weird experimentation stuff comes in. And then the back half of the album. So we'll start with Beautiful Love, mm-hmm. which George will love because it's a jazz standard. <laughs> it was introduced originally by the Wayne King Orchestra in 1931. And so this version, their version, opens with a soft, like plucked guitar. So like nothing that's never sounded anything like this before on the album. And then suddenly the rest of like the, all the band kicks in. It's like, no, no, this is like a heavy metal version of a jazz standard, which is really cool. And I do love the jazz standard. No, you do. I've brought Nina Simone and Chet Baker in the past. Mm. So, yes. And we've learned all about that. And then also, so if you're going to talk about um, something a bit off kilter, the Silver Hawaiian, mm-hmm. that's like funk. That's yes. like a funky tune. Yeah. Bassy, funky, fuzzy, weird vocals and jazzy with this like fade out. Mm. And the the way he does his vocals in that like was Faith No More and Primus, which I was like, this is great. I, yeah. yeah, just like a like a complete sea change from what they'd done before. Again, he's like, I wonder if it sounds okay if I do my vocals like this, and it it really did. It was a really cool. It's a really cool song. But between them is Speechless, mm-hmm. which is like big rock intro, drops into like rhythm guitar and these odd silences and stuff with stuff singing, um, and again. Um, I like a lyric, so I know we've said that we don't understand the lyrics, but I wrote it down. And I'm thinking to myself, like, I could be angry at work. I could come home and I could be angry at my partner instead. That would be perfect. (laughs) So, like, yeah, I blame someone, like, almost, like, introspectively. I could blame me, but I've got you in my life, so I'm going to blame you for everything that's gone wrong. So, which was ironic for him being speechless, being the track. But under three minutes, so you can't go wrong, really. Yeah, he's just, yeah, they're just like, we've got an idea for this thing and it doesn't necessarily fit what we've done before, but we're just going to throw it on there anyway and see how see how it goes or if it works. And it, Yeah. I and think I think also in Speechless, because I always mix up Speechless in Track 11. What is Track 11? Track speechless 11 is, is Speechless. speechless. Oh, that is Speechless. What's yep. Track 13? Can, overrated. 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 Okay, those two songs for some reason, I always mix them up because they do sound a little bit similar. Mm-hmm. You probably could have taken one of those off yep. and I don't think the album would have changed too much. I don't hate them. I, love, I still love them. But... Um, if you listen closely in Overrated, I'm probably mixing it up. It's in the bridge. It's just a musical bridge. There's no lyrics. Um, you listen closely, you can hear like a, a very audible shit <laughs> <laughs> right in the middle of it. Nice. And you've kind of got to hear it. Like I think at first when you, you hear it, you're like, 
did I did I actually yeah, hear that? Yeah. He rewinded back. It's like, oh, it's there. You know, so I could imagine Paige maybe just flubbed uh, a lyric yeah, or he came back early it. or something like yeah, that. So yeah. <laughs> he just yelled out shit, but they kept it. Yeah. So No, that's really cool when they do stuff something like that in the studio and they're like, oh, yeah, it kind of fits the song and the energy. We'll leave it in there. That's I'm cool. Like, yeah. It's nice when they do that in like certain songs. In certain ones, you're listening to like really sweet romantic ones and yes. they do something at the end and you're like, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> like I wanted to play this to my loved one yeah. and now you've kind of yeah. ruined it um, Ben Folds did that with one of their songs where they right. had just like oh I hated that version right. at the end of a really beautiful song and I was like now I can't put it on repeat nice um, there's but- a song on um, an album that I'll probably nominate at some point Use from Milk Hotel um, oh, yeah. and it's just him and a guitar this particular song and at the end of it there's like this gasp so it's almost like he didn't tell anyone he was going to do this. He goes, I got this song, got this song. And he sits down and plays this solo song that goes for like six minutes. And it's an incredible song and it like really stretches in vocally and lyrically. It's amazing. And there's someone else in the room at the end. So he's like, oh. like just like the captures that moment of like, holy shit, that was amazing. You know, did we get it? So it's like, yeah, it gives you that, whether it's true or not, like whether that's even what happened, it's gives you that feel. Love the happy accidents. Yeah. That's right. Well, you must appreciate and overrated all those drum rolls. Yes. Absolutely. It's, yeah. uh, I air drum through this entire record. Nice. Like if you see me driving along yeah. and I do have Betty on, I, yeah, I let go of the wheel a bit, but it's for Betty. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, yeah. It's officer. It, it, yeah. It's, yeah. For yeah, it's for Betty. You don't understand. And I show him the cover. He's like, yeah. sure, son, sure. Your Honor, please. Yeah. Um, but, but obviously there's milk taste. Yeah. Well, we didn't mention at the start who produced the album. So the band themselves did a lot of the production. And then someone named T-Ray, who I don't know who that is. So he has usually does Cypress Hill, Beastie Boys, but then also Mick Jagger Therapy, Snot, and Santana. Cool. So maybe an Interscope ringer if he's doing hip-hop and rock stuff as well. Maybe, Probably. I don't know. Yeah, he's won a couple of Grammys. Okay, cool. Yeah, he... I, I think there was a hip-hop record. I can't remember which record he did. It maybe had something to do with Cypress Hill. He thought that... He'd be the man for the job. Now, I can't remember what came first, the order of the events, but um, actually the Judgment Night soundtrack, I think, comes first. That movie came out in 1993. It's got Dennis Leary, Emilio Estevez, Stephen Dorff in it, and Cooper Gooding Jr. It's a bunch of buddies that are... um, They get an RV. One of the guys is like an RV salesman or whatever, and they've got to go to a boxing match. And they're like, check it out. I got the, you know, the big Mac daddy truck to, to drive to the game. So let's all jump in there and let's all, um, you know, just have drinks and have a fun time whilst one of us drives to the boxing match. And it's going to be awesome. And then they take a detour into the rough part of town. They don't really specify what city they're yeah. in, but they take a wrong uh-huh. turn, of course. And then um, they see someone get shot in the middle of the street and then, you know, all sorts of craziness ensues. Great film. I love the yeah, film. I like that film. It's cool the, the soundtrack was a mashing of um, metal and rock artists with hip hop artists, mm-hmm. which hadn't been done before. Well, I guess we can count Aerosmith and, and Run DMC. They must yeah. have taken that idea and they'll, you know, at the time soundtracks to films were starting to become a bit of a thing. Mm-hmm. They were going hand in hand to promote the film, but also, you know, they can get record sales out of it and, you know, bump up sales for the artists on it. So, um, yeah, record labels and movie studios were loving them. And there was a guy called Happy Walters. I believe he was the figurehead of this particular soundtrack and the other soundtrack that's quite alike it, which is the Spawn Spawn's soundtrack. Yeah, so right. that one gets all the credit, but the totally. Judgment Night one came like yeah. a year before or something. Yeah, Judgment Night for some reason just wasn't as big over yeah. here in Australia. So um, the one of the songs on that record, I think it's the first track on the Judgment Night soundtrack, is Helmet with the House of Pain with just yes. another victim. Mm-hmm. Uh, a song that they still play live. Nice. Um, obviously, nice. they don't do the House of Pain part. They no. just do their part. Because that song... Is it's literally just the first half is helmet and just the second half mm-hmm. is house pain. They sample each other's stuff. Yeah. Um, I'd say that that was the nucleus for them getting in touch with T Ray or him being involved with it somehow. And they're like, hey, we should 
do an album together or mm-hmm. something like no. that. But then for one track... One song. So I said he produced it, but they, he produced everything except one. Yeah, so Butch Vig yes. came in. Superstar. Butch Vig of Nirvana and Garbage, etc. came in and was, did one song of mm-hmm. Milk Toast. Um, so that's um, track four. Hard, slow, full band, full hitting intro. Um, bass holding the melody for a change instead of the guitar holding the melody. Vocals are spoken over, so little guitar drops here and there, which are really liked because the bass was holding the melody um and then the guitars join in rolling drum solo trills and stuff like that um when the bass comes back in it sounds really ominous mm-hmm. and i like that ominous so and that song is on the crow soundtrack yes so a, I, a version of it yeah so i i don't know what came first well i don't know if betty the came first crow one came first crow so, came first which right. i think is where the butch vig thing come from because i think they were like hey we can get butch vig to produce this soundtrack for us and they did a song called milk toast which is spelt mi- the word milk and the word toast um with a k milk is in milk in, yeah the milk M-I-L-K. drink and then toast and then, yeah, did a little bit. So it's got like a distorted outro instead of a fade out and a few other things. Goes on the Crow soundtrack. And the band are like, hey, we want to put it on our thing. And they do, they do another version of it. And it's called Milk Toast, which is the one of like, not great. Like just a really standard person. So it's M-I-L-Q-U-E. So Milk Toast is the wording. A little bit more French. Yeah. Milk yeah. Toast. Milk Toast. Um, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. think they pretty much remove a sample and just yeah. do a remix. And mm-hmm. then um, yeah. Andy Wallace uh, mixed the album, which yeah. Andy Wallace is kind of up there with like the albums that he's mixed. Uh, it's an incredible list. Mm. So it's a good team. Yeah. yeah. Good team. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Awesome. Um, quick tap on Sam Hell to finish out the album. Yeah. We're 13 tracks in. We've had a little bit of Slinky Funky Faith and more stuff. We've had a little bit of a jazz standard. And the band goes, did you know we can play bluegrass? Yeah. <laughs> and, Literally, first word I wrote was bluegrass. Yeah. It's like, did you know we can play a country song? And not only like... On a resonator guitar yeah, as yeah. well. Like, obviously. Mm. And not only like we can play country music, we can write a country song lyrically as well. Like, it's not like anything else in the album because there's a lyric in there. Sam's mayor of First Avenue Nothing goes on he doesn't want to A wife that wears his thin stocking hat He's known for making good A gravy and cat So just that country western sort of theme as well. Mm-hmm. Like it's just like a really explicit lyric the in a way that town. nothing else has been on the entire album. It's like, hey, we can totally switch tracks and go this other way. And the solo is done on an acoustic mm. and that is really fucking hard. Yeah. So um, like playing an electric guitar is really easy because I learned to play on an acoustic guitar and then someone gave me an electric guitar and I played it for the first time and I was like, why did I go through all that hell of an acoustic guitar with the thick strings and the difficult action when I could have been playing an electric all that time? Yeah. So um, yeah, I'm always impressed whenever I hear an acoustic solo. Like that's hardcore. With mm-hmm. a bit of slide in it. Yeah. 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 Which is really nice. But there's no drums. No drums in yeah. it. Um, I still listen to the record, yeah. even though it seems a little tacked on mm-hmm. as, as the last track of the album. Um, still listen to it. I still think it's cool. Uh, I do have, I, I got it gifted uh, from Nathan from Tape Off. He gifted me with a rare double 10 inch copy of Betty, mm-hmm. which wow. has been on my wish list for a very very long time um he bought it for me as a gift for my 40th and you're never 40 look at you <laughs> yeah i know right i'm a young youngish 40 yeah. uh that double 10 inch has three other songs that mm-hmm. don't show up on anything else yep uh, maybe the cassette version maybe in japan somewhere yeah yeah but um omits sam hell Okay. So it ends on overrated. Right. Oh, so, okay. yeah, I, I don't know if that was due to time constraints or maybe mm-hmm. they felt otherwise, but yeah. um, you'll see on the back that, yes, it is uh, released through Interscope Records, but uh, Am- 
amphetamine reptile records mm-hmm. uh, is is the label that they were originally with and ha- kind of have a bit of a co-label yeah. collaboration yeah. sort of thing on it. So maybe MREP were kind of like, uh, maybe just leave off mm. Sam Hell. Yeah. I, th- cool. I still think it's a cool song. Yeah. We're running out of time. Did you have anything else you wanted to go over before we go to your final pitch? Uh, I just don't you get sick of this to. album. I really don't. All right, cool. So, yeah, throw us your final pitch for why Helmet Betty. Oh, George, did you have anything else you wanted to throw out? No, I think we've covered all. You're all good. Thing. Yeah, the random snippet of lyrics that I found. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> that I've interpreted in my own special way. Yeah. I've already said them. Yeah. And nice. if you look in the inside cover of the artwork, you'll find the girl that plays Betty on the front cover. She's um, jet skiing. Okay. Yeah. More sort of sepia. Sounds happy 70s, days. 60s, 70s oh, wait, sort of stuff. Is it jet ski or is it... Where, where have you got... water skiing. Water skiing. Water Sorry. That, Sorry. Yeah. Water, okay. She's water skiing. You said jet skiing in my mind. Just pictured water skiing. Yeah, anyway, yeah, So yeah. we were fine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you... Did you picture jet ski or what? I just it? remembered I can't swim. Right. <laughs> so the first that came to my mind was I'm not Roma. doing that. So, yeah, fair enough. Cool. So final pitch Yeah, time. throw us your final pitch for why Helmet, Betty by Helmet is flawless. Um, it's melodic. It's pummeling. The production is just crisp. Mm-hmm. Um, the kick drum. The sound of the kick drum is amazing. The snare, the snare sound on it is incredible. So, well before Metallica's Saint Anger, did um, anybody have a snare sound like this? So I'm not entirely sure the snare drum that John Stanley used on it, but I can imagine it was a very shallow snare drum because the shallower in shallow you get, you can get higher pitches. So, mm-hmm. and if you crank up the lugs of the snare drum you also can increase that pitch as well and right. tone and timbre of it. So uh, the album at the time when it was released, if you look for articles of it online, whatever do exist, um, snare sound is one thing that people really pick out. Mm-hmm. And it kind of inspired other bands such as Korn and a lot of other new metal bands in the late 90s to use that particular sort of timbre yeah. for their snares. Yeah. So I love it. It might not be everybody's cup of tea, but... The, it, the drum sound as a whole, huge. The lyric, I'm not usually a lyrics guy. Mm-hmm. Um, music comes first for me. And so the whole nonsensical lyrics thing nah. doesn't bother didn't, me didn't at all. Throw it all. Nice. It's just solid. It's experimental as well. Um, you know, it might not seem super dynamic, mm-hmm. um, but I think it does make up for that in the second half of the record. So, Your yes. Honor, that awesome. is my pitch. Your Sounds pitch. good. George. Hello. Uh, final thoughts and a thumbs up or a thumbs down for Helmets Betty, please. Well, I got a bluff from the past, didn't yeah. I? Because I was like, I have not consciously listened to Helmets since I was 17, which was the last time I worked in a rock club. So I was like, oh, that's, this was going to be an exciting journey. Um, and then reading up on it as well and knowing that it's an experimental album and they, it's like a jazz fusion almost um I was really looking forward to it. So um, I pretty much liked the tracks on the album. It was what I was expecting. Um, And like, as you say, Beautiful Love, um, of course I'm going to like that. Yeah. It's a jazz track um, Mm. on a rock album. So that's awesome. Um, I did not actually enjoy the way the drums sounded on this record. Okay. Um, controversially, because yeah. you know, I was scared of saying this in front of Branko. <laughs> um, but it was just because I had them on my headphones, like, and I've got really, really good headphones, and it was just almost grating like that hit. The hit that you're talking about for me, like, turned me off. But then yeah, I got to Milk Toast, and it's not there mm-hmm. because Butch Vigas produced it. It was probably a different session as well. Yeah. Yeah. Different session and yeah, everything. Different mixing, different recording and different everything. Different yeah. mixing. And so um, the drums in Milk Toast, I was like, that's what I wanted for the whole record. Um, but they weren't there. So that annoyed me a bit. Um, but the problem why I can't call this flawless is because the experimental stuff doesn't kick in until track 10. So I'm nine songs in and I'm on a journey and then I get jazz and then rock and then funk and then rock and then bluegrass. And I'm like, 
could we not have peppered these earlier in the record? Mm -hmm. I feel like um, if they'd have mixed Beautiful Love in at like track three or something like that, um, so you go, ah, and you're caught off guard and you go, oh, okay, this is experimental. And then you mix one at track seven and then you finish, you can still finish on Sam Hill. That would have made sense to me. But it, um, I felt like they were, they waited too long to bring in the experimental things on the album. And I would, if I had the time, effort or energy, I would rearrange it um, <laughs> in a playlist and go, this is the order it should have been, um, which I won't do. But um, that's why it couldn't be flawless for me because I really enjoyed all the tracks. I just didn't enjoy the order of them. Hmm. Cool. But thank you cool. for bringing it. Because it was nice going back to the old days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think, Liam? Cool. Um, I'm going to save us some time and essentially repeat George's. <laughs> like, I, I like the drums. I didn't have any problem with the drums. I thought they were cool. Um, when I read up about it, I was like, oh, this is their experimental album. And then I'm like nine songs in and I'm like, this isn't an experimental album. What the, what the hell are people talking about? And so then I got to it, obviously, and I felt the same. Like it was just too much too fast when it could have been spread all the way through. I also, I liked Sam Hell as a song. So, so um, I forgot the name of it. Beautiful Love is the jazz standard, then fed through Helmet Sound. And Silver Hawaiian is like the, that more funky, different style fed through their sound. But Sam Hell doesn't sound like Helmet at all. Like if they'd done a, some kind of combination somehow of like bluegrass or like introduced elements, some of it somehow, so I love bluegrass. Got heaps of bluegrass albums. Listen to bluegrass all the time, but this that song really, really stood out for me. And I'm not even sure if you put it somewhere else on the album that it would actually work. Mm. Like it really took me out of the album. Mm. And I did this before with um, was it Bon Jovi? I think who were like all the way through like this rock sound, and then it right at the end they're like, we can play bluegrass. I'm like, cool. I don't need you to play bluegrass. I've got bluegrass bands. So just so that one song <laughs> really took me out of it. So yeah, I was the same as George. Like cool, I had a cool time listening to the album, but I wouldn't call it flawless. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely a outro. Mm -hmm. It's 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 as an outro. And also another thing in the record is it has very small nuances. Like if you listen to the start of Street Crab, like it's almost like a a false start. But if you listen really carefully, um, there's like radio interference. You can hear like mm -hmm. a local radio station in the pickups. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. Uh, it's, cool. it's those little nuances that, that get me. Get oh. Nice. Cool. Well, thank you very much for nominating it and coming on and sharing your love with it. It's with thank us. It's in, definitely infectious. Thank you for having me. And we want to thank everyone for listening. We have Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are Flawless AMP on all of those, so you can join the conversation, share or like our posts, give us a rating. Every little bit helps us find more music lovers like you. And as mentioned, we also have that Patreon. It's patreon.com slash flawlessamp. If you'd like to back us, please check that out. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. Sell you eat, won't wash away. You never knew you've been dead or just old. The Sam held it.